Time for another classic conversation. This time around, Steve Gorman is on the line. Steve, it's great to have you here, man. I am happy to be talking with you, sir. Thanks for taking the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, let's talk about your background. Of course, uh, drummer for uh, the Black Crows, one of my favorites. I saw you guys uh, back in the 90s. Just uh, fantastic stuff. And you're still going strong. Uh, not only do you have a brand new album coming out uh, with Trigger Hippie, but uh, a brand new book as well. Hard to handle the life and death of the black crows a memoir so so much to get to steve uh let's let's just get to this first of all uh with with trigger hippie what i like about this it's it's a band of yours but it's really taken what 15 years to kind of come to true fruition well i mean that's that's how it looks yeah you know i mean 15 <laughs> years from now we might be saying hey it's taken 30 years but we're finally there you know? but right now right now it feels pretty good um yeah, Nick and I, Nick Govick, the bassist, and I started playing 15 years ago. And for the last 10 or so, you know, anything we've done, we've called it Trigger Hippie. That started as a, a bit of a loose collective. It was me, Nick, and whichever guitar player answered his phone first. Um, <laughs> you know, just to jam in Nashville. And uh, it slowly but surely turned into a band. And, and that band became, uh, you know, something that we, we weren't able to keep everybody on the same page. And that ran its course. This time around... With this album and with this lineup, the thinking was very much like we want to make this a full-time band. We want to turn this into something that we're all, uh, you know, that, that's a part of our lives on a daily basis. And so we took our time getting the record done and finding the right people, and hopefully that's where we are with it. And that's the thing, too. I mean, you mentioned this. Chemistry is key. Finding that right chemistry, it, it's not easy to do. So, I mean, uh, kudos to you for, for even being able to say, who knows, 30 years from now. But, uh, no, the sound is amazing. Uh, very distinctive sound. And uh, let, let's get back now to this book, uh, The Black Crows, Hard to Handle, The Life and the Death of the Black Crows. You guys definitely have a very distinct sound. I mean, you know, here at a classic rock station, it's a staple. Uh, but it, it's not like you guys sound like anybody else you guys definitely have your own sound what really inspired the sound behind the black crows well we we on our first album specifically and, and most certainly we wear influences on our sleeves i mean if you put on shake your money maker today you can go right down the list well they like the stones they like the faces they like humble pie they obviously like otis redding they like 70s aerosmith i mean there's a bunch of things in there the mindset of that band was very much an 80s indie mindset the sound was more the music we grew up with when we were younger and then it evolved over time into a mix of all kinds of things i mean we went by the time the crows were making their last albums in 2008 9 and 10 there was all kinds of folk influences and country and bluegrass you know we just pretty much never limited ourselves to stay in one lane we just took everything on as inspiration and folded it into the sound of the band over time so what was it uh, when you were when you were there living the whole thing of the black crows what did it feel like was there a certain moment when you said to yourself you know we're a hit we we've we've made it was there a certain moment or a certain time something a phone call or, or anything in particular no i mean there were, there were there were milestones along the way you know you get a gold record and then a platinum record then double platinum and those things mean they mean something in the moment, but but to our credit, and we were making a lot of bad decisions and mistakes along the way, but one thing we always got right was we just tried to ignore that stuff and and just be a band that was worthy of it. We wanted to be a great band, and that never really changed. Everyone had different views on what that meant and had different ways of getting there, but that was always a common goal. So, you know, I, I think by the second album, 
tour by the fall of 92 and into 93, just knowing that every night we were the kind of band that got on stage and found an extra gear and that we were as good a rock and roll band as there was in the world. That was sort of a nightly reminder that we were getting there. Now, you know, certain records sold more than others, but that didn't mean anything to us more than that's just information. But really, it's all about what we were doing as a live band that, that meant the most to us. Now, on the opposite end of that, uh, was there a certain milestone or a certain certain sign where you kind of said to yourself, uh, I don't know how long this is going to last? Well, that was that, that was always there. Um, you know, we always had a, we were, there was a lot of friction and tension and, and flat out anger and, and, and arguing and fights in the band. And that, that started with two brothers that didn't get along and it spread itself into everybody else eventually. So mm. the band was always... Even when we were having a blast, we were always just a few seconds away from something erupting. So, you know, there was never a moment. There was times we talked about and, and, and shared an ideology that we'd love to be one of those bands that was around for 30 or 40 years. But at the same time, you know, it never it, 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 there was always a sense of this could end at any minute. So the Black Crows uh, having a reunion. Is that something you want to be a part of? That's not something I have any interest in doing. Gotcha. Know? You're done with it. You're, you're over it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean. 27 years, which is uh, you know, right now it's half my life. I, I need to get on the other side. And, and, you know, the other half of my life has been uh, just as rewarding for different reasons. And so I'd like to continue, uh, str- you know, lengthening that chain, if you will. So now uh, in today's world, uh, d- does it drive you nuts when you hear an old Black Crow song come up on the radio? Or is it like eh, just kind of wallpaper now? You don't even notice it? Or do you change the station immediately? <laughs> no, I don't change the station. I, I, it's you know, I, it's it just depends on you know a, a million factors. But as a general rule, no, I, I'm always happy to hear it. You know, it's that music meant literally meant the world to me for many many years. So if it, the fact that it still gets played and that new people still find those records and dig them, I think that's fantastic. Is there a song of yours uh, that was a favorite? To not not just from a, the the whole you know ensemble, but just a fun song to play. One of your favorites. Um, that literally changed nightly, you know, it was always just, you know, it, it just depended on a bunch of factors, internal factors within the band. You know, you could be, it was the kind of band where you could be having, you know, I'd be, I'd walk off stage thinking that was the best show I ever played. And everybody would say, man, what was wrong with you tonight? And then I'd, I'd walk off stage feeling like I just had a 15 round fight and people would say, man, you'd never played better. And so, you know, after a while you just. Just take the good moments when they come and know that they're not going to last forever. Trigger Hippie, full circle and then some. A lot, like we were talking about that, a lot on this, uh, you know, Delta Blues, R&B, gospel, Southern rock, funk, a little bit of everything. Uh, was there anything in particular that influenced what Trigger Happy is doing with this album? Uh, Trigger Hippie. Hippie, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Trigger, is there anything? All the time. You know, listen, when you, when you call your band Trigger Hippie, you you. You do a lot of, uh, no, it's not Trigger Happy. I learned that the hard way. Um, but, you know, everybody in Trigger Hippie listens to all kinds of music. But, you know, the ultimate, all the building blocks that make up rock and roll music are all Southern in origin. Everything you just listed all springs from the South. And we all have similar record collections. We all grew up listening and being inspired by the same thing. So, you know, rock and roll music to me is a pretty wide net. And all those elements you named are all a part of it. And that's just a very natural 
that's just naturally the songs that we write and the songs that we make when we play. That is awesome. And of course, uh, the tour going on, the closest you're going to get to us, I want to say, is the Chicago date tomorrow night. But you guys are playing really all over, like the Midwest. What is your favorite? I mean, obviously, Nashville's an amazing city, so you're probably going to say Nashville. So if that's the case, what's your second <laughs> favorite city uh, to go play in? Oh, there, there's so many great, great music towns. But, you know, I'm not saying this just to say it, but Detroit's such a great rock town. Yeah! Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Muskegon native. Oh, there you go. My, my parents are both from Detroit. I moved from the state as a baby, but I have a lot of family all throughout Michigan. So Michigan's always been a very, uh, it's, been a, it's been a second or a third home. You know, I've always, I used to go up in, you know, spring days. You know, summer trips, you know, to see family. So I've spent a lot of time there. And, uh, and you know, the Black Crows played Detroit a million times. We yep. played we played Kalamazoo uh, a, a good bit, Grand Rapids. You know, we went all the way up to Traverse City. I got out on the UP once, if I remember correctly, in 93. <laughs> you know, we've, all, we've been all over the place. That is cool. Next time you come through Flint, make sure you stop in and say, hey. Uh, <laughs> well, absolutely. Now, uh, the book here, Hard to Handle, The Life and Death of the Black Crows, the memoir, it's in stores now. Um, obviously, you lived it, and it was crazy to live through that, but was there anything that maybe you noticed it happening when it was going on, but you really didn't understand the impact of it until you were actually writing it down in the book? I, yeah, I think there's a, well, there's a lot of really small moments that, that you know, seeds were planted all along the way. And then, you know, by the time you're, looking back with 20, 25 years hindsight, it's real easy to see where those things happen. The actual writing of the book, I'd already kind of processed all of it. I knew what I was going to say going in, at least as far as what the general narrative was. So there weren't a lot of those moments. There was some, there was, there was a few emotional things, not, not linear. Oh, I see how that happened now, but there was just some emotional things and, and a, a particular episode from 2000 where our bass player was really struggling with, um, with some issues that, that, and he's came out of it great and he's doing well, but writing the story of how that all unraveled was, that was really difficult. And I think that was really just because I'd never, uh, for, for circumstances that are explained in the book and then later, I just never really fully processed it in real time. And going back in, it was very apparent to me like, Oh wow, I have some unresolved feelings here about this. But for the most part, you know, it, the, the catharsis, if you will, or the understanding of what the story of the band is always going to be, at least to me, I'd already, I already had that pretty much squared away before I started to write it. So clearly uh, you have respect for what you guys accomplished with no desire to go back, uh, but it must have been difficult living that. So was this memoir, was it kind of therapeutic in a way to write it? Um, yeah, I mean, just, just, you know, again, I feel like I'd already, you know, I'd literally in therapy. I'd, I'd gone through all of these things. You know, once uh, our, our old piano player, speaking of Detroit, Eddie Harsh, uh, he died three years ago, and his death really added a, a, a sense of permanence and finality to whatever the band had once been at its greatest. I knew it would never be there again. Um, I wasn't holding out hope for that, but, but once someone's gone, then, you know, you just there is a level of finality that you can't get as long as everyone's still walking around. So, it put everything at peace. There was still some anger and some bitterness and that all went away. And I was left with tremendous gratitude and appreciation and sadness. And that makes sense to me that that made sense to me to be the right perspective to be writing the story from. And now with trigger hippie, 
you're you're doing what you want. The sound is right where you want it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, a huge collaboration. Uh, and, and, and that must be what you're talking about, fulfilling yourself. You're at that point now. So what does it feel oh, sure. like to have a lot? I'm guessing you have a lot more control uh, when it comes to, to Trigger Hippie than, than with the Black Crows. What is your your favorite thing about touring? Well, it's, it's always about the shows. I mean, it's great to see it's great to see different places. It's great to see old friends. And there's a lot of perks and just personal things like that. But the shows are always the thing. You know, when a band is really all connected, you're playing a live show. Um, you know, these aren't this trigger hippie or the black crows. We're never pop acts. It's not the same show every night. You know, right. you're playing real you know, instruments and you're, 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 uh, there's some improvisation. There's moments where you're not doing things exactly the same. And when anytime the band finds itself acting as a five or six headed monster, you know, everybody going in the same place together, that sort of musical communication is, is truly life-changing and life-altering. And when you walk off stage and you've just finished a show that felt so good, you don't know how to describe it, and then it's almost like you forget it within a few minutes because you can't <laughs> stay there. It's like you stepped onto a magic carpet for a few hours, and as soon as the show's over, it disappears. That's what it's all about. You're trying to find those those two- and three-hour windows where basically time stands still. Oh, I know we're uh, running low on time here. We do a silly little game here in the afternoon. I thought it would be kind of fun uh, to play with you if you don't mind, Steve. What time is it? 4.20. It's just Bob's 4.20 contest. Basically, what I'd love for you to do is tell me four things that if you didn't have a drum in front of you, four things you could bang on with your sticks and still make some great music in 20 seconds. Go! <laughs> Um, any sort of an ottoman is One. always a natural. Um, a, a, a plastic bucket Two. is a good thing. That's great. Um, a, a, a steel-toed boot does the job sometimes. Three. And then the, uh, the soft, the soft love handle part of any, of any other band member. <laughs> oh, Steve, that is fantastic, man. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I, I wish you the best of luck on this tour. I'm sure... Uh, that chemistry is going to be felt all over the Midwest. And uh, great job on that book again. Hard to Handle, The Life and Death of the Black Crows, a memoir, is in stores now. And the new album from Trigger Hippie, Full Circle and Them Some, is now available at Amazon.com, iTunes.com. Uh, you can stream it on Spotify. And, of course, check out that website, TriggerHippie.com. You can also find them, Trigger Hippie Music, on Facebook. Uh, Steve Gorman, an absolute pleasure to speak with you, my friend. And uh, happy, happy playing, man. Right on, man. Thanks so much. This is what fun sounds like. Jeremy Fennick and the Punch-Out Party. 103.9 The Fox.